Amen. So good. So good. I love coming in to worship on a Sunday morning and having my mind transformed by the reality of God's greatness. I love the fact that the reality that God is great, that he is good, overwhelms everything else in my life. And this morning, I hope that you are encouraged. I hope that you are inspired. I hope that you are blessed this morning as we worship together and uh, not only sang these songs, but allowed them to settle into our spirits this morning. Um, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and I'm so excited to be with you this morning to be able to share with you a word from the Bible. And for those of you who, I do see some new faces here, so just to bring you up to speed, we have been in a series all summer long in the book of First Peter called Great Expectations. And how many people have enjoyed the series this summer? It's been good, hey? Yeah, and all you online, how many of you have enjoyed the service, the sermons this, this sun, summer as we've been going through this series in First Peter? Uh, great expectations. And so without any further ado, because I've got a lot to get through this morning, we're going to dive right into this. And this morning, you are going to be a part of the second last sermon of the series. Next week, we'll be concluding it. Pastor Mike will be concluding the series. Um, but this week, we've got one more to go before the, the conclusion. And this morning, my assignment was 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. If I were to have a title for this message this morning, I would entitle it, Overwhelming Victory. Somebody say, Overwhelming Victory. Overwhelming Victory. And I'm so excited about it. It's the, 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 the um, caption that Pastor Mike sent over to me when he gave me the assignment was, We can expect to win spiritual battles. We can expect to win spiritual battles. And how many know that we are in a battle, church? Man, there is so much that is uh, trying to get our attention, trying to distract us, trying to take us away from the main thing, that there is a battle taking place all around us. And this morning, we're going to discuss a little bit about that battle, and we're going to talk a little bit about, I'm gonna, I want to give you some tools this morning with which you can fight the spiritual battle that we're going to be discussing this morning. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 has been our calling card. It has been the main thing that we've always started out with. So we're, gonna, we're not going to change anything this morning. We're going to do the same thing. We'll start with 1 Peter chapter 1, verse verse 3. And then we're going to be reading my passage this morning, which is 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11. Then we're going to pray. Then I've got a few thoughts for you. I'm going to preach. And then we're going to enjoy this beautiful Sunday. Isn't it gorgeous out there? I'm so grateful that we get to, to do this church thing here in beautiful White Rock, BC. If you're not here, you want to be here because it is spectacular. Um, you just step out the door here and you're staring at the ocean. It's amazing. Praise Jesus. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. We've got to say it together. Great expectation. Great expectation. Amen. Amen. This is the big idea of the passage. Now, my text today is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. And here's what it says. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. 
In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we declare this morning all power to you forever. God, we thank you that you are in control, God. That you see the end from the beginning, God. That nothing is surprising to you and that you are God. And this morning, Lord God, we place ourselves under your mighty hand and we say, God, come and do what you want to do in this place. Father, I pray that you'd help me as you're communicated this morning, Lord God, to get out of the way so that you can come and do what you want to do. I pray that you would work in each heart God, you would work in each life, and I pray that your word would not return void, but it would accomplish what it is set out to do. We submit ourselves under your word this morning, and everybody said, amen, amen. Well, diving right into this, you guys. Peter is, is telling us and inspiring us and commanding us to watch out. He's saying that we need to be aware that there's something greater that is going on around us. That there is a battle being fought, and in fact, there is an enemy, the devil. And he says here that he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for those who he may devour. Now, one of the things that I found interesting about this series as we've been going through it is that the writer, Peter, is intimately aware of the things that he is saying. In fact, he's had experience with all these things that he's telling us to do. Whether it comes to um, the call last week from Pastor Mike to be humble This is something that Peter had to wrestle with in his life. And when it comes here to saying to stay alert and watch out for the great enemy, the devil, it's because Peter is speaking from experience. In the book of of Luke, we're told um, that Jesus comes to Peter and says to him, Simon, which is his, his other name, Simon, Simon, Satan has come to sift you, each of you, like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So Peter's had an experience of being tempted by the devil. And you know what Peter's response is? He says, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. This is not going to happen to me. And Jesus says to him, he says, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. You will deny that you even know me three times before the rooster crows. And if you all know the story, if you've heard the story, Peter, uh, who says, I would never do that, Lord. I would never do that. I would die for you. I would do anything for you. Guess what? He denies Jesus three times before the rooster crows. So here's Peter, who's had a little bit of experience, maybe grown a little bit more humble and got some humility in his life, speaking out from experience and saying, hey, everybody, watch out. There's a real enemy and he's out there to to, to trap you. He's out there to get you. Watch out. And even that statement could be a little bit confusing. Because I don't know about you, but you, you see that statement, you think to yourself, okay, why are we afraid of a defeated enemy? I mean, what's going on with this? Why are we even talking about this? This comes up a number of times in Scripture that there's an enemy that we're fighting against. Why are we even afraid of him? Well, the enemy has been defeated. I think one of the greatest analogies I've heard of this is, um, is a historical analogy, which comes from World War II. And for those of you who are history buffs, you could probably argue this morning that the turning point of World War II was probably the Battle of Stalingrad. However, for the Allies, there was a particular battle that took place that turned the tide of the war for us, for Canada, the United States, and for Britain. And it took place on June 6th of 1944. 
It was uh, 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 an, an invasion that was codenamed Operation Overlord, and we know it today as D-Day. And on that day, 156,000 American, Canadian, and British soldiers stormed five beaches along a 50-mile stretch of France's Normandy region. They stormed the beaches. And on that day, they took that beachhead. And they defeated what was considered to be at one point an undefeatable enemy. That was the moment where the tide turned for the Allies. They established a beachhead. Now, unfortunately, at that time, about 4,500 people passed away storming those beaches, but they won a great victory that day. And it could be argued that that was the day that the war was won. That was the day that there was no way that Hitler could come back. He was defeated. But do you know what happened? It was another year before he would finally admit defeat. Well, we have the same idea with Satan. Our D-Day was the day that Jesus died and rose again on the cross. In 2 Corinthians 2.15, it says, In this way he disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory on the cross. The other version says he made a public spectacle of them. He showed his dominance over the enemy. But VE Day, victory in Europe, which would come a year later, hasn't come yet. D-Day has happened. He is defeated. But here's my big idea today. We are in a battle with a defeated enemy who is still trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, it's not written here, but here's the other part of the big idea. But we have overwhelming victory in Christ. That is my big idea today. So there is an enemy. And when we comes to this idea of fighting this enemy, how do we do that? Well, Peter gives us three commands here in his passage. He gives us three commands, and we're going to bring this home here in just a second. Because here's what he says, first of all. He says, stay alert and watch out. Remain awake and aware. Why? Because your enemy roams around like a roaring lion, seeking those whom he may devour. Let's talk about that idea for a moment. The enemy wants to devour you. You know the words that you could use for that, that word devour is the word consume. The enemy wants to consume you and consume your thoughts to take you away and distract you from the reality that is the kingdom of God. This is what he wants to do. He wants to consume your thoughts. So what do we need to do? We need to stay alert and watch out. Remain awake and aware. Listen, we're in a season right now where we are constantly being bombarded with distractions. There are things that are coming at us all the time to keep our minds away from the reality of the kingdom of God. We are dealing with a pandemic. We are dealing with um, a political climate that even now in Canada is becoming more and more divisive. We are dealing with uh, uh, wars and rumors of wars happening all over the world. We are surrounded by things that have the potential to consume us. But Peter says, stay alert and watch out. 
Now, let's remember the context here again, because we've just gone through this entire book. And what Peter keeps talking about to these churches that are in dispersion, that are undergoing great persecution, is to keep their minds focused on a reality that is greater than what they see. That there is an eternal perspective that we need to have. We've talked about this idea that in this life we will have suffering, but for the believers and followers of Jesus, there is always hope. It's keeping an eternal perspective. It's keeping a mindset that sees what God sees. Remember, as believers, we think differently. We have the mind of Christ. So he says this, stay alert and watch out. Number two, he says this, stand firm and resist. James chapter four, verse seven says, so humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Church, we are commanded to resist. We are commanded to fight. What are we commanded to fight? The government. No. No, 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 not the government. Strike that from the tape. Because somebody can take that out of context. We are not fighting a natural battle. In Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. We need to stand firm and resist against the temptation to become consumed with the circumstances around us. We need to stand firm against it, and we need to resist it. And we need to constantly bring our minds back to the reality that God is working even in the midst of this situation. That God is guiding us, that God is leading us, that he is going to bring us home, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it, that he is in fact a good God. Now, your circumstances might not bear that out today. You might not feel that way today. You might not feel like our God is a good God. But the reality is that he is a good God. He is our salvation. Stand firm and resist. Resist comes from two ancient Greek words, stand and against. And Peter tells us to stand against the devil. Satan can be set running by the resistance of the lowliest believer who comes in the authority of what Jesus did on the cross. Charles Spurgeon, I love his his comment on this this word. He says, be more more prayerful every time he is more active. He will soon give up. If he finds that his attacks drive you to Christ... Often Satan has been nothing but a big black dog to drive Christ's sheep nearer to the master. Resist. Turn to Jesus. Resist. Turn to him. Don't get overwhelmed. Come on, church. Put your hope in him. So stay alert and watch out. Stand firm and resist. And the last thing that Peter says is, be strong in your faith. Be strong in your faith. So my question today is, how do we do that? So here's how we're going to land this today. I want to give you some very practical tools this morning of ways that you can engage in spiritual warfare, in ways that you can fight against the consuming nature of the enemy, and in ways today that you can stay alert and watch out, that you can stand firm, and you can be strong in your faith. And here's where we're going to go. We are going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God. Now, if you've heard a lot of sermons on this before, my prayer for you this morning is that when we go through these different elements of armor, that you get a fresh revelation from the Lord that will speak to you right now where you are. Okay? You guys with me? Okay, we can do this. 
little bit of Bible study. Okay, here we go. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18 in the NLT says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Does that sound familiar? We just read it. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm. Hey, stand firm. We've heard that before. Against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world. Against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist. We've heard that before. Resist the enemy in the times of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Okay. Does that line up? Come on. Peter says, stay alert. He says, resist and stay strong and be strong in your faith. How do we do that? By taking up the armor of God. Now, here's what I want to just, we're going we're to talk about this in just a moment. But as we get into this, I just want to make a quick statement about this. Every piece of this armor is connected to Jesus' work on the cross. Every piece of this armor is connected to what God has done. In fact, as you read this today, as we go through this today, I don't want you to think about, okay, i got to stand in truth. So now I'm going to, okay, I'm going to really do that. Okay, and I'm going to wear the breastplate of righteousness. Yes, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more righteous. I'm going to be more holy. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to pick up the shield of faith. Okay, yeah, and the sword of the spirit, put on the helmet of salvation, and I'm going to have my feet prepared with the peace of the gospel. Okay, I can do this. Bah, 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 bah. No, no, no. All of this should draw you closer to Jesus. Just like um, Charles Spurgeon said, it should draw us closer to him. That's what this is meant to do. Okay, you ready? Number one, the belt of truth. Okay, check this out. Every area of bondage in your life is connected to a lie. Every area of bondage in your life, if you're experiencing bondage in your life, it is connected to a lie. John 8, 44 tells us that Satan is the father of lies. Now, on the other hand, truth always lines up with the word of God. And let me tell you something. These battles for truth, this battle for truth takes place in your mind. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be of any virtue, if there be of any praise, think on these things. Our battle for truth is to align our thinking with the word of God. Now, lest you think that this is simply academic. I have to learn the word of God. I have to know everything in it. And then I just have to live it. No problem. I can do this. It's not academic. Why? Because we take this further. John 8, 32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Ah, but one more thing. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So truth is not simply aligning your mind with ideas, but truth is actually a person. And his name is Jesus. 
So this is not about having an, an understanding or just, okay, I, I've gone to Bible college. I've got a master's degree in theology, and so I know what I'm doing. I've got this. No problem. I can line up with truth. No, 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 no. No, no. Truth is often found in tension, and it's found in relationship. Are you connected to Jesus? Are you connected to him? Truth is a person. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Check this out. How do we know that Jesus is, is, is lined up with the word of God? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. In other words, if this book grew arms and legs and walked into the room, we would see the personification of Jesus. He became the word of God. It's about, church, it's not about just knowing. It's about being in relationship with Jesus. Are you connected to him? Church, what we need in this season, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. There are so many voices that are pulling at us, even as the church, as believers, um, as, as just brothers and sisters, there are so many voices that are trying to divide us. We need to stay firm on the word of God, and we need to stay in relationship with Jesus. Don't lose that. Stay alert. Resist. Be strong in your faith. All right, ready for number two? The breastplate of righteousness. Now, here's this idea. Our righteousness comes from Jesus. Again, this isn't us going, oh, I'm going to be righteous. I can do this. I'm going to live up to the standard of the truth of the word of God. I can do this, and I can just keep going this, and I can. No, no, no. It's Jesus. It's Christ in you. Here's what we're told. For sin, uh, Romans 5, 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, called the death, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. We receive the gift of righteousness from God. We start from a position of righteousness. Can I just tell you right now? If you are here today by faith, serving Jesus, seeking him with all of your heart, I'm just going gonna, gonna to make this audacious statement. You have never been as righteous as you are right now. Because the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you from your sin. And according to him, you are washed and you are sanctified and you are justified. And you can walk out from that place. And right now there's lies that are coming in your mind of guilt and shame. Because the enemy wants you to sin so that he can define you as a sinner. But we are not defined by the enemy. We are defined by the truth of the word of God and we are defined by Jesus. And today we stand righteous before him. Rise up. Stand firm. Come on. Stay alert. Be strong in your faith. Amen? We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and in the left hand for defense. Come on. 2 Corinthians 6, 7. Another thing about this, though, really practically, is that Proverbs 4.23 tells us to guard our heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. This breastplate of righteousness, it's his righteousness, it's meant to also guard our heart. 
And so what do we need to do? We need to act out of that position of righteousness. We need to make decisions that line up with that. When we are being tempted, he always gives us a way of escape. So we can choose to line ourselves up with him and with his word. There is always hope. There is always hope. Are you with me? That's two. Okay, we only got like four left. You guys, you can do this. We can do this, guys. Come on. Number three, the shoes of the peace of the gospel. The shoes of the peace of the gospel. Now, there's a, there's a couple of elements to this. The, 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 the shoes of the gospel, we often hear this being preached as go out and share the gospel. And that's a part of it. But in the NLT, it tells us these are the shoes of the peace of the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that I just shared with you that he has made us righteous, that he has made us right with God, and we can walk in that, and we can have a relationship with him. Um, we have a greater purpose. Come on, the peace of the gospel is that he's working in us even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. He never stops, he never stops working, right? Never stops, he never stops working. He's working in us. Reinhard Bonnke says this, the gospel is the most powerful weapon we have against the, in, against the spirit of darkness. He, he, we, I actually got a chance to sit with Reinhard Bonnke. He was a great evangelist in Germany, and he shared those words with us at that meeting. The gospel is the most powerful weapon we have against the spirit of darkness. It is the good news. This is the peace of the gospel. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. What is the gospel? It's the good news that Jesus is saving us. He has saved us. He is saving us. And he will save us. And you know what? You can get so overwhelmed as you look around at the world right now with so much going on, distracting us, telling us that we need to go this way or that, being pulled in so many different directions, and there's so much division right now. Even last night, I was um, texting back and forth with an, a buddy of mine from high school just reached out to me. I was like, hey, what do you think about all this, you know, COVID stuff? And, and we were going back and forth, and he was all up in arms. And, 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 and as I was writing him, I was thinking to myself, you know what? I can't change this, but I can decide to turn my mind towards Jesus. I can decide to seek him and I can decide to walk in the peace of the gospel because here's the promise. The Lord directs your steps. So if you're wondering, how am I going to get from point A all the way over here to point B? How am I going to get here? The peace of the gospel. The shoes of the peace of the gospel. Every step is ordered of the Lord. Do you believe that today? Can you live that by faith? God is walking before you. He is, he is setting your steps in order. Uh, Philippians 1.6, And I'm certain that God who began a good work in you will continue the work until the finished day when Christ Jesus returns. That's the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. He's going to do it. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Put your hope in him, church. Put your hope in him. We need to have the gospel living in us before we can live it to the world around us. And then we can tell others and bring others to Jesus. We have purpose. We have a greater purpose. Okay, next one, number four, shield of faith. Here's the deal. Faith is always directly tied to the word of God and not to our feelings. 
That's really important. Your feelings do not dictate your faith. The truth of the word of God dictates your faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the confidence that we have hope, what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance that these things, about these things we cannot see. At the NKJV, it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And what is that substance? My feelings? I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling bad today. Hmm. No, 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 no. Substance. Not your feelings. The word of God living in you. Come on, this is our faith. Faith is agreeing with God. And when you choose to agree with this, you're putting your faith in the wrong kingdom. It's not our feelings. It's the word of God. You with me? Change the direct trajectory of your story with Scripture. As a quote from Louis Giglio in his new book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. So we're told in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, here we go. Number five, the helmet of salvation. Now, of course, when we think about a helmet, what does it cover? It covers your mind. And where's the battle? The battle is in your mind. The helmet of salvation. You'll find that most of these pieces of armor are actually completely related. They are actually kind of the same idea, this idea of the helmet of salvation. Nikki Gumbel says that all things start with a thought, then become an action, then it becomes a habit, and then it becomes your destiny. We have to learn to take our thoughts captive to the word of God. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, of pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he does. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Where have you set your mind? Psalm 94, verse 19 says, When doubts fill my mind, your comfort gives me renewed hope and cheer. Such a good word. Somebody needed that this morning. 1 Corinthians 2.16. Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. The helmet of salvation. Do you know who you are in Christ? Does your, do your thoughts line up with his word? And of course, 1 Peter tells us to be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The challenge is to keep our minds focused on the reality of Jesus. Which kingdom has authority in your life? Which kingdom? And number six, almost done here, the sword of the spirit. First John 2.14. Oh, I love this one. Starting halfway through. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. We're told that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. This is our defensive and our offensive weapon. I told you, they're all related. It all comes back together into the reality of Jesus working in your life, the, the, the fruit of the gospel in your life, and the word of God being stored up in your heart. What can you do? We can, we can memorize the scriptures. We can read them. We can stir get the word of God in our heart. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Come on. If this is the way that Jesus chose to overcome temptation, this is the way that we should do it as well. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, you know how he responded? It is written. How do we fight our battles? We We come back to Jesus. We turn our hearts back to him. We fight our battles by submitting ourselves to him. How do we overcome? I'm going to close with this. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. This is reality. This is staying alert. This is not being consumed by the world around us. That neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons. I'm going to add one. No, I'm not going to add one because we're not supposed to. The Bible tells us not to. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, like COVID, can below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What are we told in this passage? Overwhelming victory is ours. Who? How? Through Christ. See, there is a battle. Our big idea today is that we are fighting a defeated enemy. He's still trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But we have overwhelming victory through Christ. So what do we do? We stay alert. Stay alert, church. Don't get sucked into this world's stuff. Don't get sucked into the stuff around you. Stay alert. There's a greater reality. Peter talks about it all throughout his book. Stand firm throughout his letter. Stand firm. Resist. Don't give in to despair and discouragement. Stand firm. And be strong in your faith. What is it? Let your life line up with the word of God. Agree with him. Put your faith in the right kingdom. Why? Because he is your mighty warrior. Amen.